0: Have your Bibles, you can open to Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. I'm Pastor Richie. So awesome to see you. This year we have been looking at what the Bible teaches about transformation. Transformation. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Alright, let's read those verses together. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time of worship together so far. And now, Lord, we ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will teach us your word. And Lord, as the book of James says, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but doers. Lord, that in the doing and obedience and the walk of faith through the power of the Spirit, we would continue to be transformed. Metamorphosis would continue to happen in us and through us, Lord, so that ultimately you would be glorified as we become more and more like Jesus. So that's our heart, that's our desire. We thank you for your word. And now, Lord, lead and guide us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12:1 is there it says therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship this year we've been talking about transformation this supernatural incredible work of God that happens really for the rest of our lives from the time you put your faith in Jesus until the time he calls you home you are in sanctification or in transformation right? And this morning it says, I want to just kind of launch this up, it says to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. When you woke up this morning, did you present your body as a living sacrifice? Did you make that choice? Did you say, Lord, today, thank you for today. Thank you that I'm in transformation. And Lord, today... Rather than asking you to bless my agenda, rather than asking you to help me get through my day and meet my needs, did you ask the Lord this morning, did you come to him like this? And did you say, Lord, today I present my body, my life to you as a living sacrifice? Because whether or not you did that probably has a huge impact on how you've already been in the first few hours of this day. And probably that, that choice and that focus and that, that view will color the rest of your day into this evening. If you didn't make the choice, you can make it right now. You can just, oh, sorry, Lord, I got busy. Sorry, Lord, I threw up my out-the-door prayer. Sorry, Lord, I did the on-the-way-to-church prayer. If you didn't stop and say, oh, Lord, yes, thank you for today. Thank you, my heart's beating. I got lungs. I got air in my lungs. Thank you, Lord. On the front end, here I am, I'm a living sacrifice. If you do that, watch out in the best way possible. Because then you are yielding and you're submitting to God and what He wants to do in you and through you daily. Amen? Now, as you do that, here's the crazy thing. You don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know this incredible supernatural journey that he's going to take you on. You know when Jesus says, I came to give you life, and life abundantly. And what that really means is super abundant life. So Jesus came for me and you to have a wonderful abundant life. Amen? So you're willing to sacrifice? Because ah. see, here's the thing. What we've learned is that wonderful abundant life is on his terms. Because when he first called his boys, what did he say? Uh, Follow me. Follow me. Where are we going? That's a need-to-know basis. When you need to know, I'll let you. But until then, follow me. And the joy in that, the adventure in that, the excitement in that, maybe the little fear in that is, where are we going? Where are we going? Are we there yet? Just follow me. It involves trust. It involves faith. It involves daily yielding. Okay. Okay. Right? And as you go through that, sometimes God takes you on places and brings you places you never would have thought. And this morning, I encourage all of us with that because we're all in transformation. We really are. Okay? And we celebrate that six years together. Some of you going back to when we first moved here in the Gold High Valley 17 years ago. Yeah, some, I've known some of you for 17 years, and I've been blessed to see your transformation. And this morning, as a church family, we get to celebrate what God has already done and been doing in the life of Tyler Larson. And, and we're going to recognize, very important, what God has been doing in his transformation. What God has been doing. Some of you uh, went out and, you know, oh, you got to come today. You know, Tyler's going to get ordained, right? And, and, and that word ordination, ordaining someone, it's kind of what I call one of those loaded trigger words in church. We're not careful because there's a lot of people here from a lot of different church backgrounds. And, and we've talked about this before. When we say the word church membership, that's one of those trigger words. Hmm. Based on your experience. Another trigger word. Stewardship. Hmm. Is that the thing where they ask for money? It's one of those loaded trigger words, right? Ordination. What does that mean? Depending on your church background, you know, I'm not sure. Are they doing something to him today? Are they going to do something to Tyler? And here's one that's already come up. What do we call you after today? Because it's one of those, oh, you know, we're kind of around church and we see people ordained and we're like, well, what does that mean? And what does that mean going forward? And, and, and so we're going to spend just a few moments before we pray for him and the ministry that God has called him to in this local body and really the kingdom to understand biblically. We don't have a lot of time, you know, this could be a whole month's worth, but I want and I really felt it's important for us as a church body to understand biblically this idea of ordination and and appointing and and what is a pastor, as much as we can in the short time we have. Because we, we always have to be rooted in Scripture. Amen? And here's the hard thing about when it comes to this ordination. There's not a lot of Scripture about how to do it. And so over the years in churchdom, there's tradition. And many churches and denominations have done their best to try to understand it. And, and, and nothing wrong with it, but we have to be careful that tradition doesn't supersede Scripture. Amen? When the two collide, when Scripture and tradition collide, Scripture has to always win. Scripture has to always win. That's the, that's the ultimate authority. And so, in this ordaining issue, I get it. I get it's kind of like, you know, depending on your church tradition. I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. And I grew up in a family that was very culturally respectful of authority. So when you go to the Roman Catholic Church, it's just very natural to call the priest father. It's just it's just natural. I became I put my faith in Christ. I started going to a Calvary chapel in San Diego, and they weren't into pastor anything. And I gotta be honest with you, it made me uncomfortable. Because that's the senior pastor, and he just wants to be called Mike. hi, Mike, it's uncomfortable, uh, right? I mean, depending on your church tradition, and it's really tradition and upbringing. Great example, a few years ago, uh, Vinny had befriended a high school guy, and he, went, hung, out, he hung out at the house, and, and at one Sunday, he, he goes, or Saturday, he goes to Carpinteria with us. I think it was Sunday after church or something high school guy and I got to know him and so he hangs up with the family. We're at Carpinteria and I think we were throwing the football or we were skimboarding and I kid you not, the beach is crowded and out of the blue he goes, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. What do I call you? Because it was kind of weird. Hey, Pastor Richie, go out for a pass and the Carpenter, you know, on the state beach. There's a pastor on the beach? Can they do that? Are they allowed to go He's wearing board shorts. That's that legal? You know what I mean? All this like crazy baggage that comes, right? So he goes, what do I call you? Because when he was here, he was raised to be very respectful. So here he's Pastor Richie and he's comfortable. It's not weird. He's like, hey, Pastor Richie. He comes to my house, you know. My kids aren't calling me Pastor Richie at home. <laughs> it's like, hey, you, <laughs> you know. So he hangs around us. He sees me in an informal setting. We go together to an informal setting. And now he's in this weird conflict. And he felt it was weird as I felt it was weird to call me Pastor Richie when we're throwing football. He so what do I call you? Great question. Just an honest question. And I said, that's awesome, man. Here's the deal. When we're here, you can call me Richie. When we're at the church, if you're more comfortable calling me Pastor Richie, you can call me Pastor Richie there. Okay. And he was liberated. But I, I share that story with you because I understand titles. See, in our culture, we like titles. And somehow titles confer authority because he has the title. And we look to something to hang on. He has the degrees hanging on the wall. He has, you know, and, and the more letters after your name gives you more authority and gives you more this. And he must really know what he's doing because he went to Bible college. He went to seminary. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself unless you're hanging your hat on that. So we're into titles, and we're into degrees, and we're into all this kind of stuff. And then we're like, okay, now we're ordaining Tyler. Did you go to school? What's your qualification, sir? Do we have to call you sir? I mean, right? So all this stuff comes into, into our service time today. And I just want to take just a little bit. to Tyler, when we're done, you're still Tyler. Now, what we're doing is we're recognizing God, that the word ordain really doesn't appear in the Bible. It appears in the King James Version, right? Let's, let's look real quick. Acts 13, verse, um, actually, let's go to Titus 5 let Let's just do that. Titus 1.5. Titus 1.5. So, in Ephesians 4, don't turn there. It says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. When it says he, he's referring to God. It's God's church. So God appoints leaders, if you want to use that term, for his church. It's not man. God appoints, right? In, in Acts 13, you don't turn there. Just, just hang with me. Wait for me, at Titus. It says, Acts 13 it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Right? The Holy Spirit told the early church, set apart these guys. God's setting them apart. Acts 9. Acts 9. Jesus talks to Ananias and says, Hey, I've chosen Paul. So, right off the bat, if we're going to understand this biblically, we have to understand it's God's church and God appoints and calls his leadership to his church. The church... It is a responsibility in our humanness and fightiness is to recognize that we're just recognizing what God has already done and is doing in His church. That's what this is, okay? So, so ordain. Look at Titus one five. It says, "The reason I left you in Crete." This is Paul talking. The reason I left you in Crete was that you may straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint. Elders in every town, as I directed you. Now in the King James, that says ordain, right? The word of point, it's in your notes there, really means to set apart. Plays, arrange, put, it's just to set apart. It does not mean, and I put it there, it does not mean to invest with ministerial or priestly authority. Very important distinction here. Because according to 1 Peter two five, we are all what? priest. Turn to First Peter 2.5. Hebrews, James, I'm going to keep going to your right. Hebrews, James, First Peter 2.5. Look at this. Now again, coming from the Roman Catholic tradition, I was like flabbergasted by this verse. First Peter 2.5. First Peter 2.5. You also, he's talking to the believers, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If you're a believer on Jesus, you are part of what we call the priesthood of believers. Did you wake up this morning and see yourself as part of the priesthood? Crazy, huh? Like, what? What? Here we go. Collars up. Right? Because I grew up with a vision of what a priest was. Right? Collar up, white. So I'm, I'm, I'm a good Roman Catholic, grew up that way, and suddenly I become a believer and I come across this verse and I'm like, a what? I thought it was priests, clergy, and we're laity. I thought there was this separation. They're the priests. We're the laity. No. We are the priesthood of believers. Amen? Which means this. We all have access to the throne of God. Do you see what I'm saying? A priest, I grew up in that tradition, a priest was the earthly mediator. Very Old Testament. The priest was the mediator between the people and a holy God. And only the priest in the Old Testament, the priesthood, could do that. When you become a believer, when you're part of the church, you are given access to the throne of grace 24-7. Amen? Okay. Very important you got that. So we're not, like, conferring anything. If you were here yesterday, um, when I talked about recognizing, we're going we're gonna to lay hands on Tyler in a little bit. And that's biblical. There's examples of that. But it's not like this. And his voice is not going to change. Oh, I am Pastor Tyler. And he's not going to start speaking King James. And he's not, you know, after we pray, he's going to be as goofy as he was when we before we prayed. Right? So, so there, there's no us and them. There's no us and them. We are all the priesthood. Now, the body of Christ, the church, is an organism that has organization. Now, part of the organization we see in Ephesians 4 is that God appoints overseers, he calls them elders, overseers, to shepherd his people. That is what we are recognizing as. We are recognizing that God has set apart Tyler Larson to shepherd, not just this specific flock, but really to be a part of the shepherds in the kingdom, the big church. That's what, we're simply recognizing that. We're recognizing that. So you're like, okay, so so how does that work? And, you know, in 1 Timothy 3, it's in your notes, Titus 1, there are qualifications, very specific qualifications, nothing in there about a Bible degree, and nothing in there about seminary, by the way. Okay? You see there, there's kind of the four C's. You say, well, at at your church, how does that ordination, is there a process? Well, kind of. Yeah? Based on those verses, we don't have time to look at it. We look for conversion. You should be saved. You should be a believer. Okay? Convictions, doctrine says, hey, don't not a young convert, and he has to be firm in his beliefs. So he has to have he has to have some very firm convictions about the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Okay, so that, that's settled. We we look for that, right? Character. Most of the if you look at the qualifications in Timothy and Titus have to do with his character. How he runs his house, his relationship with his boys, with his wife. It's very heart character heavy. Why? Because his relationship with God is manifested mostly in his home, just like you and me. Because it's people in our home who drive us crazy. So if you want to grow in patience, who is God going to use? The people you live with. You want to be more like Jesus? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm here for you, brah. I'm here for you, brah. Make you more like Jesus. Just hang out. Right? The qualifications are character-driven. Now, calling. It says, hey, if you want to be an overseer, that's a good thing. You have to have a desire. Okay? You have to have gifting. One of The, the primary gift you hear is ability to teach, not preach. Radical difference, because a lot of us have this idea that pastors are preachers and he's going to be the up front guy. There's a whole lot of pastors, ordained pastors, that never get behind a (laughs) pulpit. You're so funny. He just doesn't know what's coming. He just had no idea. So we invite you all back for his first sermon. We joke about it. He says, fine, we're going to worship and pray and go do eat donuts. That's fine. Um,
1: so there has to be gifting.
0: He, did, like, he has the ability to teach. I was just with him at the gardens. He does a great job with the youth. He does a great job with the seniors at the gardens. He's already developing the gift. There's an issue of timing. Okay? There's an issue of timing. It's, uh, in 1 Timothy 5, it says, hey, be careful. Don't lay on hands too soon. So, so the elders of the church, you got to be careful. It's a great thing, but you don't get excited, and he's gonna take this the right way. We're not ordaining him because we're friends. And I'm not ordaining him because I like hanging out with him, and we're not ordaining him just because it's a good old boys club here, and let's just find guys just like us, and let's just make it a good old boys club. 100%. 100%. 100%. Has nothing to do, I mean, it has a little bit to do with whether I like him. But that is not the driver. That is not the driver. I could like him all I want and, and never feel like God's called him to, to be ordained. It has nothing to do with that. I don't personalize that. I'm not driven by my friendship with him. It, he's been, I've known him for 12 years. We've served together for 12 years. He has served faithfully here, going on in the sick, almost seven. And this is the timing. So we, we take that very seriously. Be very careful. We're very careful. And then there's to the ministry where you sit back. Okay, Lord, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. And so he doesn't know, but for the last six years, I've been watching him interact with you. And it hasn't always gone, seemingly. but I have been watching for the fruit of his shepherding, his calling, his gifting with you for six years. His job interview has lasted six years, if you want to call it that. And Bill and I, collectively, and we've sought counsel, Bill and I believe that, not just for Tyler, but in the life of this church, as we move there. Yesterday, we shared that it was time, we believe, to to really focus and bring on an associate pastor, a family, and youth. We believe that, really, it's God's timing in this church to bring someone on board. Even if it wasn't him, we would be seeking someone. I just want to clear that up, because a lot of times, I get it. Some of us, a lot of us, have not had positive experiences in the church, and you kind of go, is this a good old boy club? And my heart is just, you know, around well, here, we're just like this. Oh, I can say that. We're just like this, and we're just like this. So, this is this is the process. This is, this is how we've gotten here. Okay? So, what is an ordained minister? There's, there's word pictures, look on your notes there. One's a shepherd.
1: You get that, right? It's a shepherd. A
0: steward, meaning a manager of God's household. Stewards don't own anything. They just manage the household. Okay? So, he's probably a shepherd. A steward, and then turn to First Corinthians four. We're going to close with this before we uh, have Tyler's dad come up and speak. First Corinthians four. All right. 1 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul is trying to help out the Corinthian believers of how to, how to view him, how to view Paul and, his, and, his, and, and the church leadership. Same message applies to us. Like what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, so then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and in those entrusted, that's the steward, and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. So then men ought to regard us. This is how I want you to see me, guys. This is the Apostle Paul saying, hey, believers, this is how I want you to see me and the other people that God has called. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the secret things of God. That word, servant, is probably going to rock your world when you understand it. It means under rower. It is a very specific term. It means under rower. Okay? This is what it means. Let me just I'm just going to read this because it's... This is, this is the whole context of that. This is why when the Corinthians heard Paul say this, they were like, what? You're Paul. He's like, yeah, I know. Let me tell you what God has really called me to do. Here it is. One of the most common sights to the people of Corinth was the ship tramway, kind of like the Panama Canal, that moved vessels over land to the opposite shore, right? The most numerous boats were the galley slave ships each with three banks of oars in three levels, one above the other. The slaves who sat chained to the bottom oar were called huperetties, the under rowers. Paul says, this is how I want you to regard me and my fellow ministers. We're on the bottom of the galley slave ship. We're on the bottom of the galley slave ship. That's how you're to picture me. And he says this. Here's something called life at the bottom of the ship. The Hooperty's life at the bottom of the ship was tough and always busy, and it was permanent. Most died in service. The chains about their ankles, grim reminders of their bondage. There were five aspects, okay? There were five aspects that really would have stood out to the believers. Remember, this is Paul saying, this is how I want you to picture my role. First. The galley slave had to row to the captain's beat. To keep as many as 150 oars together, the captain beat a rhythmic tempo on a drum. Each slave had to row with the beat. Second, the slaves had to row together. Often the 30-foot long oars were moved by two or three rowers. They quickly learned that one could not lean on the oar, another push, and another pull. They had to work as a team. Third, they had to trust the captain.
1: In the gloomy depths
0: of the boat, a slave had no idea where he was, where he was going, or when he would arrive. His his was a labor of total faith and obedience. As the captain's beat grew more and more rapid, it could signal an enemy attack or a storm to be avoided. But the slave could not question. He could only obey. Fourth, the galley slave was committed for life. His was always a one-way trip. The damp, hard benches were no relief to his weary bones after a day's labor. The lack of sunshine and fresh air combined with leg chains meant repeated illness during service. And if the ship went down in a storm or conflict, the slaves had no way of escape. Finally, the slave received no honor. Only the captain was visible to the outer world. Although there were dozens of men who gave their lives and very breath to keep the ship going, they were never seen. They rode on and on, day in and day out, invisible to and unrewarded by the world. If an underroller were seen, it was because he was not doing his job. The Apostle Paul says, "That's, that's how I want you to view me. I am a galley slave for Christ. That's what God has called him to do. In his retirement. You sure you still want to go through this, bro? He, I, the shepherds of the church. We're the galley slaves for Christ. we galley slaves for Christ. That's the reality. That's the Apostle Paul trying to explain to the early church how you're supposed to view me. That's, a, that's what I'm like. What do we call him? Well, he's a shepherd, a steward, and a galley slave for Christ. It's all about your heart and recognizing what he does for the church. And then I let the titles and everything take care of themselves. Because it's really a heart issue. It's really a heart issue. If you're to calling him Pastor Tyler, call him Pastor Tyler. If you're not, call him Tyler. But understand, more importantly than what you call him, what he's been called to do. Hebrews 13:17 says those called to the church, you know what we're called to do? Watch over your soul. That's Hebrews 13, 17. We are called to watch over your soul. Do you realize that today? When you came to church, that God has called his shepherds to shepherd the flock, meaning watch over their souls as men who will give an account of how he did that. That's pretty weighty. That's pretty weighty. So, So I share this with you so that you understand our heart behind this. We joke a lot here. We're real. We try to be as real. But beneath it all, guys, let me, let me tell you. We are dead serious about this. We understand there's heaven and hell. We understand there's eternity. We understand we live in a world of brokenness. And this world, this room right now is filled with brokenness. I get that. I understand that. So please don't think that that our jokiness is that we don't take it serious. We really do. We understand what's happening in our society. I understand I'm not real popular in my role in this culture right now for what we stand for, specifically regarding this. We get it. We're dead serious around here, but we laugh and we joke because the joy of the Lord is our strength too. Okay? So what we're doing is very serious in that in that sense of, of God's calling. It's a very serious thing. This is I'll close with this and then we're going to move on to this. Paul says, That is what I want you to think about us. We are not big shots. We are not among you as domineering leaders with the last word to utter. We are servants of Christ, under rollers, with our eyes fixed on him. What he tells us to say, that is what we are to say. And what he tells us not to do, that is where our limits are. That is what we want you to think about as you see us ministering among you. That's our problem. So how that manifests itself in what you call us here, I don't chip I don't, I don't on that stuff. I, I love you. I believe most of you love me. So uh, <laughs> that's all that's, that's not, in the end. That's what matters. Amen. I'm faithful to my calling, you be faithful to your calling, and God will grow his church and, and move in and do us together. And it is a week. It is a week. So, understanding that, right, I know it's really fast, but it's important. It just, I just felt we just needed to get this right. I invited Tyler's parents to come. Oh, here
1: it comes!
0: <laughs> because I wanted you to get to know Tyler through, through his parents' eyes and heart as well. So, um,
1: right
2: here. I'm sorry, but I'll never call Pastor. I'm sure
3: I'll call Sweetheart and Tyler, Tyler but. Never passed her. <laughs> I might call him something else. Oh no, you <laughs> <aren't>. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm going to read this so I don't cry. Okay? Is <laughs> that okay? Um, I'm sure all of you here will agree with me to know Tyler, is to love Tyler, right? Right. And what you see with him on Sunday. And the rest of the week is exactly who he is at all times. There's no pretenses with him and, you know, exactly who he is. Um, Tyler, it has been such a blessing and encouragement to me to watch you mature in your Christian walk. (sighs) Seeing and observing you has helped develop my dependence on Jesus I thank you, Richie, and I don't know where really is, and I'm sure many, oh there is, many other others of you in the congregation, for your part in helping him along this path. For years, I have had framed on my desk the Bible verse Acts 4:13. Now, when I saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived. They were common men. They were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. That is my prayer for you, my dear sweet son. That as you minister to this church and town, that all who come in contact with you will know and see that you have been with Jesus. Mm-hmm.
3: I really do think uh, my lovely wife has said it just about all, but I just want to praise God and thank God for what a wonderful day this is and what a blessing it is for Sandy and I to be here and me as a father to to witness his ordination. I just can't be more proud um, of how he has uh, been with his family, supported his family, and the two great kids, Travis and Kyle, and what a blessing... uh, He has been to them. We can't love Tyler so much that uh, to to see your loving uh, concern as the congregation of believers, uh, which was illustrated when I came here this morning when I talked to Bill briefly and how he truly and Richie truly, Pastor Richie or Bill, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, love and care for him and know that he will come alongside of him uh, and all that uh, you do here in your fellowship. And I just have one little verse. Um, it was a Proverbs 16.3. Uh, and I know, Tyler, you have, um, you have followed this, and this brings you where you are today. That uh, I know that you have uh, you, know, you are committed to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. And I just can't be more proud of Tyler that God's plans has proceeded. And he is uh, being ordained today by Richie in God's church here in the y Valley and the bigger church of his kingdom.
2: And for his wonderful wife, Kim.
3: Yeah, yeah. we you, you have to qualify that, right. Yeah, bless you. All
0: right, before we, um, we are going to lay hands on Tyler and pray for his ministry. Thanks, guys. But before we do that, sorry, you can bring the screen down. Uh, if you don't know, we have, when we were uh, first started and we incorporated as a church, one of the things that we put in place was an accountability board. An accountability board recognizes that the church is made up of fallible humans and that need accountability, need checks. So this church has an accountability board of three pastors. Uh, you, many of you may, remember Chaz. He was here for our first Saturday night. Um, we tried really hard to get him here today, but pastors are busy on Sundays, so it didn't really work. We're going to try really hard for our first service over at the well to get all three of them here together. Um, But there's Pastor Chaz, who's a senior pastor of a Calvary Chapel in Pebble, Colorado. Uh, Pastor Chris is a pastor of small groups at a church in Tracy, California. And I still call and consider him Pastor Michael. I serve with him on staff in Oceanside. He is right now going through a pastoral search, possibly uh, seeking the Lord for a senior pastor position in San Diego at a Baptist church. So these three guys are accountability board. I chat with them. I've known them 20-plus years. Chaz actually knew me before I was a believer. So he asked the real question. He's the one that I told you before. He asked me, how goes it with your soul? He doesn't say, how are you? He says, how goes it with your soul? Good brother. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he wants to know. So anyway, uh, it looked like he would, uh, Pastor Chaz was going to be able to come, um, but he had a conflict. So I asked him to send a video to Tyler... That's Pastor Chaz and to us. Go ahead, Chuck.
1: I was also going to get here with you in person today on this special occasion, but at least I'm thankful for the ability with modern technology to send this word of encouragement, I really just to ask for the pour of a blessing, even more blessings upon him as a fellowship. As God continues to grow the Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship, today is a great day. I think of the book of Acts when there was a need for more servants, for people that could actually lead the church. Uh, There was a threefold criterion that we see in Acts chapter 6. These men needed to be a good report, full of the Holy Ghost, and then they also had to possess wisdom. And so you're today. Confirming already what God has done in Tyler Larson's life. Love Tyler, have seen it from a year ago, uh, years ago when the church started. And I'm thankful that today there's kids coming alongside and acknowledging what God has already done. And so, Tyler, uh, I'm honored to know you. I know that God will continue to pour blessings upon you and your family as you help lead the body there. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. The amazing things that God's going to do with all of you there at Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship. So, Father, bless Taylor with more gifts than He's ever had. Put your shield of protection around Him and make He lead. These people as part of the leadership team, and may he serve them and as he, and he an official title as pastor. God, would we just continue to see even more just that we've already seen? He didn't need a title before because he was already doing the work of the ministry. But as we see it now, and as you, we've uh, concurred uh, and acknowledge what you're doing, God, uh, continue to use them for the further advancement of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We love them and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. an absolutely fantastic guy, and you Colorado. So we
0: are going to try to get that crazy guy out here in a few months when we're able to move, and Michael and Chris, and, and I think it's important. It'll be the first time that the three of them will be able to come. They've already said, "Let us know. Let us know." So uh, we do want you to see that, that they have been with us from the beginning. They know what's going on here. They moved to the well. They knew this. They knew. So they are they are very much in touch and they understand their role in keeping us, me, us where we need to be biblically. Amen. So you can pray for them because they have a very important role for Ohi Valley Christian Fellowship.
1: All right. So now.
0: In the in the Bible, there are, there are, there are models, examples of the laying on of hands. Again, it's not a
1: "woo" moment.
0: It's a praying for God's blessing upon the ministry that He's already called into and is already bearing fruit. In. Amen. So, as part of this, I've asked Pastor Lynn to come in and join us. Come on up, Pastor Lynn. Pastor Lynn, if you don't know Pastor Lynn, he's a, he's the pastor of the church coming in right after us. We should really thank Pastor Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Lynn and his his congregation have been so gracious. From Saturday nights to even being able to meet Sunday mornings, they adjusted their start time, and we are so thankful. I'm I'm glad we can acknowledge you and and thank you for that. But Pastor Lynn also carries um, the title of right now, longest serving senior pastor in the Valley. (laughs) How long? How long? 24 years, so so that's how long he's been serving faithfully here. I wanted to invite him in because uh, this calling is really a church. It's of the church, and so I wanted him to participate in this. Uh, Robert Hodge, I've asked also to participate. If you didn't know, Robert was a senior pastor, uh, ordained in 1971. He actually senior pastor of the church in Santa Barbara, if you didn't know that. So I wanted to invite Robert to, to be a part of this as well, and uh, we're also going to invite up... Uh, uh, Diana and Wes to come join us in prayer, and all we're gonna do is gonna pray for Tyler.